Welcome, everyone. We are at the DWX conference again. It's been a year. Um, it's been a year of a hiatus. Um, I had plenty of things to do, but I'm finally back with some new guests for you. And today I have, like always, a very special one. But this one, this one is really special. And he's in front of me and he's making silly faces. So it's hard <laughs> to stay, to remain, uh, to remain cool. Um, Sia Gassemi is here today. Hi, Sia. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, we know each other from my, many conferences here oh, yeah. around in Germany. We've seen each other many times. Plenty of times. And yeah, each time exactly. it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Feels like Always. <laughs> feels like family to see. It does. Again. It does. Yes. Last time I saw you, you were just moving back from Canada and yeah. now you're in Hamburg, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So back to your roots? Not to my roots, but back in Germany. Yeah. Tell us about your roots. Where, where do you uh, come from? Well, I was born in Iran. Mm-hmm. But we moved to Germany when I was like four. I think it was 1989-ish. When we moved to Germany, we kind of refuged. So it was a, was a fun... It was for me as a kid, it was like fun to see so many different places. I think it wasn't fun for my mom <laughs> to leave everything behind and just start over again. But yeah, uh, and then I've been in Germany since I was five. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Germany, and then last year I decided to just do a do a year or maybe forever abroad. I went to Canada. Well, they didn't want to keep me there, so I returned to Germany. Uh, no, it's it's always hard with immigration, right? And so mm-hmm. yeah, I returned April eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. We're glad to have you back. Oh yeah, That's I'm glad to be back. It's like <laughs> the family. I miss the family so much. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Um, so you grew up in Germany, yeah. and um, did you study? How, how do you come to um, to being a developer? Right. This starts in Iran, way back in Iran, when you were four. When I was four, oh, exactly. So uh, when I was four, what we had was a C64 at home, right? Oh, okay, <laughs> with a data set uh, actually, and I remember playing games on that C64. And I'm pretty sure there was also an Atari, not just the C64. It was a fun time. And what impressed me is like, I'm pressing a button and the guy on the TV moves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's something happening based on what I do. And this was like, this got me right into it. It was like, I want to do something like that, right? <clears throat> and my cousin, uh, who lives in, in Netherlands, he also was very deep into software dev. He also liked it. So we were almost the same age. He's just one year older than me. So we both were totally into creating games. And we were playing a lot of games, right? Like back then, uh, Super Nintendo getting Mortal Kombat 3 and playing Mortal Kombat 3. One of the first things that we did is basically we took Mortal Kombat 3 on the PC and we looked up for uh, for all the images that were part of the game, right? <clears throat> so one of the things that we did first is taking those images and making them like on a button press to change from not kicking to kicking, mm-hmm. right? Which is uh, which was very weird. It didn't look that good. We were seven. I was seven. He was eight. <laughs> and this was the entry, mm-hmm. right? I tried to go to uh, some, some, uh, courses, like some, some trainings to learn, but it was always like, they didn't get me, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I stayed on it. I learned it all by my own <clears throat> growing up. You know how it is as a teeny. You always need money, right? So I started creating websites and PHP for different people to earn some money on the side so I could go out and drink. <laughs> um, yeah, basically spent a lot of, lot of time in PHP. That was good. Um, because the, the one thing that is good about PHP, I don't, I'm not a big PHP fan, but the good thing was it was a C-like syntax. Mm -hmm. So it was good for learning, right? So especially if you did a lot of basic or Pascal before that, it's good to get into C syntax. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and since I was doing a lot of VB6 back then, I, at a certain point, I was like totally impressed by .NET and C Sharp. So I started learning C Sharp on my own, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and then from there on, I took it on. And then there was there was a changing, or there, there was a point in time in my life where I was like, "Are you going to study informatics? It's the only thing that you can study in Germany, right? Mm -hmm. Or are you going for a, um, a trainee? It's it's kind of a trainee. It's an it's not an internship. It's the German hospital. It's mm -hmm. a trainee okay. kind of thing, right?" Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Where am I going for that one? Apprenticeship. Apprenticeship, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so if I go for that one or if I go to the uni to uh, study, and I actually decided to do not either one of those. Okay. <laughs> right? To just go on with the knowledge that I built, on, built by myself and that I had. Because everyone that I was meeting who was at the uni came out of the uni and they were so behind my knowledge. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, where's the point? Just mm -hmm. to get a degree. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm very radical when it comes to those kind of things because I don't think a piece of paper shows who you are, or what you are. It's basically just to satisfy the need of some people mm -hmm. that they have something to prove. It makes sense in a lot of different occasions, right? Uh, where you, I mean, like, Let's say you want to be a chemist or whatever. You don't have those machines at home. You can't do it, right? Sure. So you need to go to the uni. But for devs, because you can have, you just need a computer. And back then it wasn't that cheap, but it was also not that expensive, mm -hmm. right? So you could affordable. afford it. Yeah, it was, it was affordable, exactly. So yeah, um, since I taught myself everything, I started looking up for jobs, right? Man, finding out what your salary expectations are, <laughs> if you have never done this before, it's mm -hmm. like, it's crazy. And then you surf the web, uh, try to find out, okay, what could you take as salaries? And then you see all those high salaries. And no one tells you that this is like the end line, <laughs> right? So I started my first, uh, applied at a few companies with those high salaries. I got, didn't get a job. Um, but then there was a company, they were like, they were talking to me. They're like, okay, this is the, uh, this is like the top that you get, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to start at something very low. I did that. I went uh, to a company that was one of the worst companies I ever worked for. You know, not from like the devs were super cool, right? But the mentality and what they were selling and what they were doing was like so bad. I never want to go back down, okay. down that road again. <clears throat> and this was, this was, um, .NET, uh, Platform. They did some, yeah, they did .NET, but this was, back then was .NET 1.0. Mm -hmm. 
uh, we didn't have any SMTP clients, nothing, right? And they wanted to do mass newsletters, right? Okay. And the problem, well, there was .NET 1.1, which was, I think, Visual Studio 2003 or something. Yeah, I think 2002 was 1.0 and 2003 was 1.1, I think at least. Yeah. But the company was like, they were cheap. (laughs) They didn't want to spend that money to get the update. So we, I had to write a full SMTP protocol on my own. Like, fresh in a, in a, in a, in a, as an employee in a company, first time doing this professionally and you have to write an SMTP, uh, client, right? So I wrote the SMTP client on my own, all in C sharp. And, um, there were hours in the company doing PHP. So I had to help out here and then. It was fine. And after half a year, I got a better job offer in my hometown, Düsseldorf. So I, uh, changed to that one. This was a much cooler company. They were doing C sharp purely all the time and they were creating like, uh, what was it? Was, it was a website where you can compare multiple car rentals. Mm-hmm. See, like, what is the cheapest back then? It was like all starting over, right? <clears throat> and I was at that company for four months. And then I got passed. I got a mail from the military service. They're like, Ooh. oh, you gotta come in. And my employee back then was like, well, you, yeah. You're a nice guy, but you didn't make the, uh, make the, uh, provision line. Okay. Right? Because they had to, they had to be nine months at army and keep the position free. It was a small company, were like three people, right? Mm-hmm. Like the CEO and two devs, and I was one of them. So they couldn't really afford it, which is fine. I'm still friends with them. I still meet with them, go out for lunch, uh, great people. But back then they couldn't, like, afford it to keep me. Mm-hmm. So, I was out of the job. I had three months until my military service starts. Mm-hmm. I had to find something. Okay. Uh, so I just called around. I took the uh, phone book and <laughs> looked up all the IT companies and called around. I was like, all the time, I was like, well, I'm looking for a job, but I'm only available for three months. It's hard to find a job only for three months as a dev, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone is like, you're in the middle of the project and you have to leave. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily there was a company who took me in, um, but it took me a month to find them. And for that one month, I was working at a telecom booth <laughs> selling uh, phone contracts, which was silly, but I learned a lot about selling, which is great. Um, yeah. So I went with that company for two months and then I went to military service, did my military service, um, the first three months at least. <laughs> Because then I was thinking about going into the into uh, German Bundeswehr, the military service, and be a dev there, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have their department for developers and everything. But what they told me is like, okay, you can be a dev, but it is a there is a security check that takes one and a half years, and during that time, would like you <laughs> like to send you to Afghanistan because you speak the language. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no way, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I left the military service, um, got self-employed as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. I had really good gigs and worked well until the financial crisis in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I went back to a permanent position, which was good because 
I was fresh, right? I didn't have that much experience. And that company that I then got involved with, I stayed there for four years. So it was one of the greatest companies that I've ever worked for. Um, I think there was one thing that made this company so good. The CEO was a dev. He started this company. He started the product that he's selling, right? So he was not so much driven by the economy and by growth, but more like by innovation, which Mm -hmm. is great. And I learned a lot there. When I started in that company, they were doing Scrum. And the CEO (laughs) went on winter break and he got back. He's like, I read a book. (laughs) This is so good. We will do this. But what he did, this is so amazing. He changed the whole company to a Kanban approach. Wow. And not just the devs, but the whole company was doing a Kanban approach. Okay. And you know how it is. Everyone was first complaining. Yeah, why should we do this? What is so, so different? Why? Mm-hmm. But in the end, we could see after three months, about three months, uh, it was applied. Everyone was doing it and it worked, right? It can then work the way it should work. Mm-hmm. When do you think it worked there? Because it's a whole story that you exactly. Hold I, I think the the thing is what people try to do always is like, let's just take the development department and let them just do Kanban. Mm-hmm. But because he applied it on the whole company, like from from the CEO, like from the tops down to support, mm-hmm. everyone was in that process, mm-hmm. and the board, the Kanban boards were all the departments in there, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone was working on one board. And I think this is why it worked. And on the other hand, we also introduced future branches, a uh, feature branches mm-hmm. with quality gates. Right? So the quality that they had back then was great because they had acceptance testing that was running in parallel for about four hours for every build. Mm-hmm. So the quality, the test quality was 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 good and the code quality was really good. But what we did with the quality gates, the PO had to sign that he got delivered what he asked for. This made the PO rethink before he takes anything. Mm -hmm. And this brought us a better quality in not just code quality, but also like application logic or to to return what is expected. Mm -hmm. Agile worked. Mm-hmm. Right, we could pivot much faster because he all looked at things mm-hmm. and reacted much much faster. So overall, what this company did is like they did everything right. They had an awesome product. They still have an awesome product. They're still around, um, and I learned so much from them. Really thankful for that. Yeah, and. At one point, I decided that I had enough, that I want to change. I want to see something else. So I switched. Oh, by the way, before I tell that, um, within the company, I switched from the C-sharp part. We were doing C-sharp and managed C++. Mm-hmm. I switched the departments to a Java uh, department, to the mm-hmm. Java department. So I did like for two years or so, I did Java. And then um, I decided to, it's time for a change. <clears throat> so I... Sign up with the direct competitor of that company. <laughs> that was, <laughs> it was, it was based on my home, in my hometown. That's why, right? Okay. The other one was like, I had every day one and a half hours to work and one and a half hours back, which is a lot. Okay. So yeah, I signed up with a, uh, with a competitor, but this was like, it was not fun 
working、mm-hmm. there was not fun. It was like being a code monkey.、Okay. Right. It's like just do this, do that, whatever. And yeah, I didn't have much fun there. So I switched again、uh, to a company that was smaller and had a monopoly. I'm not sure how much I can tell about this company, so I I won't. But one weird thing happened. A recruiter got in touch with me, and he was like, "Well, how is it? Are you happy and stuff?" And I was like, "No, I'm not really happy," because the company was like really conservative. They were like, "We only do things that we know is good." So they were doing WPF where everyone else was moving on, right?、Mm-hmm. They were doing like, I I had to do silly things. Converted Delphi application into a WPF application. It's not something that I want to do. <laughs> Honestly, not.、Mm-hmm. When they pitched me, it sounded much more interesting.、Mm-hmm. What they're going down and what they're doing. So I was talking to this recruiter and I was like, "I'm not so happy." So look for new things for me. What I didn't know is that recruiter, that asshole, call, called my manager and told him that I'm looking for something else.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, it is. And、uh, the manager got came to me, and he was like, "You have to leave. Take your stuff and go. You're banned." So they banned me and fired me, <laughs> right? And I was like, "Okay, what the heck? I've got nothing to lose." So I talked to a few recruiters, and they got me a job in Hamburg. This is when I moved to Hamburg. So, so I grew up in Düsseldorf,、yeah. and you went back to self-employment at that point. No, I didn't.、Uh, I first、uh, got in a, a permanent position in Hamburg,、mm-hmm. where I started to grow、um, because this was the first time where I got in touch with the community. I had a hard time to find the community in Düsseldorf,、mm-hmm. but thanks to Meetup dot com and other things, I found the community in Hamburg,、mm-hmm. um, and. The position at at one company was good. I I started as a dev as a .NET developer, but I improved a lot, and I very fast got into a position of a team lead kind of thing.、Mm-hmm. Right, so I was responsible for hiring, responsible for firing, was responsible for the architecture of the application, and from there on, I said I stayed with them about two years, and then I got self-employed.、Mm-hmm. And yeah, I learned a lot there again, and I met a lot of people at the communities. Right, so great time.、Well, let me jump right there.、Um, I know you from your、um, from your recent history as an MVP, as a very very talkative guy on conferences, who like、uh, comes with one talk planned and ends up with、uh, being five <laughs> or six times on stage during the conference.、Um, How did you make this move to to learn this to become this 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 extrovert and this、uh, this this leading position in the industry? How, how did that、I've, come? I think、be? I've always been extroverted, not on the dev side. So I I haven't done a lot of talks back then, but I've always been extroverted. I I always had a very simple time. It was always very easy for me to find new people, to meet new people, find new friends. Right?、Mm-hmm. That's something I think. That's something that you have in you. Right, there are people that are extroverted, and there are people that are very introverted.、Uh, like my girlfriend, she doesn't have. For her, it's not that easy to find new friends. For me, it's like I just go somewhere and meet people. I'm I'm met new friends, right? I made new friends.、Um, but when it comes to the conferences, so what happened is, 
Uh, <laughs> this is funny. So I moved to Hamburg. I was looking for the community for some meetups, right? I ended up to, in a Microsoft meetup and it turned out in the end that's the past meetup. So it was all DBAs, super oh, servers. Okay. <laughs> I was like, fuck. No, no, it's the pass. It's P-A-S-S. It's a, it's a whole own community for SQL Server and stuff. Oh, okay. Right? They're doing like their own things. It's like, it's huge. It really is huge. Okay. It's all over the world and yeah, very well, um, organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ended up at this meetup and I don't know who it was, but one thing that was super interesting to me, right? I never talked a lot to DBAs. There were DBAs. Come on, right? <laughs> but um, one of the things that they showed me that I learned there is like they have to go to customers and they need to take their tools with them to customers. Mm-hmm. So what they said is they often have a hard time bringing in tools because it's a USB stick and they have all these um, all these permits and all these rules at, the com- at their customers where they're not allowed to bring in. Uh, foreign USB sticks and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So what they did, they created a PowerShell script, <laughs> uh, put it online, and at the customer's computer, they just needed a browser. Mm-hmm. They went to, the, to that, copied it, put it into a script file, and just run it. What it actually did, it didn't run a bunch of things. It instantiated like WinForms and created a whole application from that PowerShell script so they have their tools with them. Okay. <laughs> Just crazy, right? But this is this is what people do. That's what devs do, right? Mm-hmm. That's what engineers do. They have a problem, they try to solve it with the things they have. Cool. Yeah, and this was this was pretty cool. So yeah, um, from there I went I met the .NET user group in Hammer, mm-hmm. Kiel and Sven and Martin. So I was there at the first, at my first meetup with them and I got in touch with them, talked to them and pretty much almost the next, within the next meetup, I was part of the team, organized team, right? Um, and this is where I brought in my first own presentation mm-hmm. Okay, it was on Swagger okay. <laughs> and Azure API apps and logic apps. And through that community, through that meetup, I got in touch with the dev open space in Leipzig. Mm-hmm. So they asked me, Hey, you want to go there? I was like, yeah, sure. And funny thing, the organizer of the dev open space was looking for one more presenter, a workshop lead, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I've never done a workshop before, but yeah, I can do that. So I did a workshop on uh, logic apps, API apps and swagger. Mm-hmm. I remember when we arrived there, what we did is like we arrived, I think, Thursday night, went to a, uh, to the next supermarket, got two bottles of Bacardi. <laughs> I got oh. super drunk. And the next day I had a hangover that was so bad. And I had to lead my first workshop and I had a hangover. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not really what they told, told us on the manual. <laughs> exactly, right? But so yeah, so I had this workshop, I did the workshop and what happened is during the um, lunch break, I was like, guys, I'm still so hungover. I'm going to take a quick nap. <laughs> so I had a nap for 30 minutes, take a shower, and then went on with the workshop. And then I got the feedback, papers back. 
You wouldn't believe it, but it said this was the most comfortable workshop. It was so, <laughs> so relaxed because the lead was drunk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so good, uh, uh, good experience. Yeah. I'm sure it was. <laughs> For me, it was. It could have been really bad, but, uh, but it turned out okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was fine. And yeah. And the um, day after that, it was the open space. So I did a talk on, um, Swagger, but well, this was the first time that something bad happened to me as a speaker. So there was this one guy who was like, I know everything about rest. I know everything about restful. And Swagger is not restful. It's not a shit because it doesn't support hypermedia and blah, blah, blah. Turned out in the end. So he was crushing my, my, my first ever talk in front of a bigger audience, mm-hmm. which was bad because I wasn't trained. I didn't know how to react. I was kind of lost, right? Mm-hmm. In the end, it turned out that this guy created issue, GitHub issues and the team told him to just go and fuck himself. <laughs> His, uh, Swagger is not about uh, being fully wrestled with hypermedia, mm-hmm. right? The goal is different. And he was pretty pissed about it. You can't read any GitHub issues. He was pretty pissed about it. And, and he took it to me. He took, oh. it, took it out of me, right? Which is pretty bad. But others who are today my friends who are part of the family... Um, jumped in and helped me back then, which was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from there on, I just went to the next meetup and always higher expectations on myself. Let's do this. Let's do that talk. Let's do something on that. Find my specialties. Xamarin, Azure. Got awarded as an Azure MVP. And yeah, just more and more and more, but not because I want to, I wanted to, to, I know to to show myself or whatever. It is fun it is. doing talks in front of people and seeing their eyes like shine when they see something new. This is fun. This is like one of the best feelings there is, right? I Teaching agree. people. Oh, I, I love agree. That. Yeah. So that's <laughs> why I do this and um, why I take on as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um. I can I keep on, on seeing the same faces at conferences. So uh, one on one side is really fun. It's really fun to find the, the whole family. It really feels like family, but it's hard to get new people in there. Um, yeah. Why do you think so few people are interested in public speaking? I don't think it's not that people are not interesting. Have you met Patrick Drexler? Yes. Yeah. So I talked to him. He was like he was as an attendee here for five years, or whatever. And it's the first time now he. Um, is here as a speaker this year. Right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I don't think it is, it, it is not because people are not interested. When I talk to people, it's more like they're intimidated, right? They're like, oh, this is something that only an expert can do. And what I tell them is like, it's not true. <laughs> Usually what you have on conferences is very high level, right? Introduction into things. Take something that you're super interested about, interested in, sorry, that you're passionate in. Take that, go to a local meetup and just do it there. Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> you won't get your head ripped off or anything, right? I think it's just more the fear about blaming yourself, mm-hmm. right? And that bad things will happen. It's like with everything that you, that you're afraid of because you never did it before. Right. 
And I think this is the problem that we need to need to help each other, mm-hmm. encourage each other to do things, right? Um, to, uh, yesterday we had Lisa here. She had her first talk ever, and she's not from a dev side, right? She's uh, from the HR side. She's coming from HR, and her talk was amazing. It was great mm-hmm. sitting there listening to it. And this is, and the thing is, why it was so good. So we have both seen good and bad talks, right? And I think one thing that makes a talk a good one or a session a good one is if you feel that that the person that the presenter is passionate about it, right? It has passion and they're not looking at their slides, but they're really talking out of their head because they know exactly out of the top of their head. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what they're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this is the thing where you have some presenter there that is doing it with comfort. You know, this is a good talk. You enjoy sitting there and listening. Mm-hmm. If you feel that people are not that comfortable, because it's like you feel if it's a topic they just have to cover, but they're not really interested in, then the talk and the whole session is shitty. Yeah. Are we doing enough as more experienced speakers in the industry? Yeah. Maybe we're, we're the ones creating this this uh, impression that you have to be master of your tools before yeah. coming on stage. Are we doing enough? Could we do more than that? I'm not sure if we could do more. It, it is, don't forget, whenever someone has to step out, it also means that he has to step out of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Right? So, to encourage people to do that, we have to make clear that they don't have to be an expert on anything, and they don't have to do something that no one else has done before. They can do things that others have done. Because everyone, every, whenever I'm on stage and I'm presenting something, what I tell the people before I send them home is like, don't forget, I'm standing here, I'm telling you about my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right? This is just my opinion. There are so many different opinions out there. Go to each one of them. Listen to each one of them. Read books, but don't forget, it's always an opinion of one individual. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is something that we need to make clear. There's no wrong or right right or wrong. There's only opinions and there are patterns and concepts. Right? So it's always refreshing to see the same topic from a different angle. Mm-hmm. It is. And I think this is what, what people are like, oh, someone already talked about that. Why should I do it again? Right? And we need to educate each other to understand that multiple angles onto a topic are great because we only can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Right? This is why I'm not a big fan of books because books outdate at a certain point, Mm -hmm. especially in our industry, they outdate so fast. And on the other hand, if there's a book, people think this is the only truth. It's established. (laughs) It's established is the only, especially if it's um, someone who has a name in the industry, you know, the name, Oh, when he writes this, this is the right thing. Right. Um, and we always forget to question things. Right? And what can we do to encourage people? I don't know. Just give them comfort. Encourage them. Tell them, hey, come on, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Nothing to lose. Uh, what I did with a friend of mine, I just took him as a, as a co-author or co-speaker onto my sessions. Mm-hmm. He got more comfortable. Right? That is now he's preparing his first own talk, right? So, right. 
I, um, I had also the, uh, the, um, the advice, I heard the advice, um, if you're following some kind of class or something, you had 100 hours uh, invested, and now you can give a talk of 30 minutes, but then you spared me 99.5 hours. <laughs> you're still not a master, you're still not an expert, but exactly. you spared me that much time, and I have a bit of experience in this thing. Exactly. Uh, I mean, like, when you go to my talks, you will see, even if I'm talking about the same topic, or just this is the same talk, I change nothing on the slides, whatever, it always is different. Why is that? Because I don't prepare. What I do is like, I know the topic that I'm, that I want to talk about. And this is something that I'm, that I love and that I can talk about for hours, right? So when I go into the talk, I first ask the audience, um, what they know, what they don't know, right? And depending on who my audience is, for some talks, I even have multiple slide decks to take out the one that is important for that audience. But on the other, on the other hand, it is, it is not a monologue. I'm not standing there and holding a monologue. It is a dialogue. Even if the other side doesn't say much, you can see in their faces the expression, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can read what they're thinking, not what they're thinking, but at least how they accepting what you're saying. Are they getting it? Are they not exactly. getting it? Exactly. And this is still a dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. No. Um, and this is the important part. You got to understand your audience. Sometimes you have really a bad audience and you can't do anything about it. They're just not interested. They're just there for the food. <laughs> they have that a lot of meetups. Okay. <laughs> right? Where you have a meetup and people just show up for the food and they're not really interested, which is disappointing mm-hmm. and bad. But... Yeah, you can't, you can't always have the happy path and the good things, right? Mm. You gotta learn with your experiences. True that, true that. Um, what's, what's on your plate? Where are you going now? What's, uh, what's, what's up with your, with your journey? Yeah, that's a a good question. So I recently started to do more business consulting Mm -hmm. and cloud consulting. So it's less about like, hey, this is a nice cloud, whatever. Look at this one and what we have here. It's more like I go to customers that are like, okay, this is what we're trying to build. This is our our problems. There are multiple solutions to a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when people these days want to move into the cloud, right? They're like, we have a software here. We'll move into a cloud. One thing that I say always is like, yeah, you can spin up a bunch of VMs and run them there, right? But you don't win anything, mm-hmm. right? Still have to manage the VMs and everything. Yeah, there's a listen and shift, but there's exactly. a deep one in the cloud approach, exactly. which is so, totally different. Yeah, and the hardest part is to convince companies to rebuild what they're doing mm-hmm. with a cloud-first approach. Mm-hmm. Because rebuilding is always expensive. It is. I have something here that is running. So often you get this, hey, come in and tell us how we can move our application into a cloud or make it a, uh, use the microservice pattern, whatever. And it's always like, well, I wouldn't, even if it is a monolithic application that you're running there, it's running. Let it run the way it is. Take a new project that you want or a new feature, bigger feature that you want to implement. And from that point, implement it in a new architecture, mm-hmm. new pattern. And once you have that, connect those two. Then you're moving towards distributed systems because you use a lot of messaging and stuff. 
So um, that's something that's super interesting to me. Like, how can we change the mindset um, to the to to today's needs? Mm-hmm. Right? When you look at today's requirements, we always want to have dedicated systems, distributed systems, right? And I think the biggest problem that we have today is that at uh, unis and at the schools, we're still teaching monolithic applications, monolithic programming, asynchronous programming, right? Just do one thing at a time Mm -hmm. instead of teaching asynchronous and distributed systems. Mm -hmm. So this is on the one hand where I'm trying to go to meetups and pick out all the students, right? And lead them into the right direction, even though the university is going the wrong direction, right? On the other hand, um, I would love to do more business consulting. Less like, how do you grow or how do you get growth in your business? More like, do you understand your business so far? Right? This is where I got all in this, in all of these DD stuff and all things around that, right? Domain driven design, exactly. Domain driven design and event sourcing and event storming as a practice to understand your business. Mm-hmm. And how you get your business um, business knowledge into software. So this exactly. is still, still this, um, exactly. this bridge. What this brings also with it is that we start teaching developers to speak business language instead of trying to teach business people to speak developer language, right? I probably need a bit of both. Right? Yeah, it, it, it is. In the end, it's a meeting of, on both sides, mm-hmm. right? But for a long, long time, people try to just educate PMs to make it very technical, mm-hmm. <laughs> to define their requirements very technical, which is bad um, because this leads to a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding, right? So, yeah, this is where I'm trying to get into more, which works for me so far. So since I'm back, I'm in a project where I can do exactly that, where the um, the knowledge is something that the customer is paying for. Mm-hmm. The knowledge about about... Um, building software instead of like hiring me just as a dev. And this is also why I'm attending on all these conferences too. To be fair, I love what, what we're doing, <laughs> but it is on the other hand also a self-marketing tool, right? Uh, we all try to get new interesting projects where we can we'll do. grow, right? <laughs> so uh, it's part of that too. So whenever I'm here at the conferences, Try to meet new people, connect with new people, um, extend my network, right? And even go for free to a company to see how they're doing things mm-hmm. to understand what are the needs in the industry. Because right? it's the only way you can pivot at the right, right time, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That's right. So let's uh, let's jump on that. Um, where can people uh, find you? Where can if they need some uh, somebody like you, or if they want to talk, uh, to 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 show you how they are working and give you an, an, a different insight, um, where can they grab you? Where can I, they find you? There's one thing that I'm super 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 bad at that I suck at is creating my own website. <laughs> 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 we still have a LinkedIn profile or a yeah, there's a LinkedIn. Some actually, I'm on LinkedIn, Xing, uh, Twitter, 
probably on Facebook you will find me, but don't look this one up. It's more private and. <laughs> <laughs> I'll but yeah, the, I'll um, have the links to show we'll except the, the Facebook exactly. one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah, um, yeah. Just, just best is to send me an email um, or ping me on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, are you at some conferences uh, in the next uh, month that you want to? Uh, well, I am. Now we have summer break. Oh. Yay! Summer break, right? You're doing that? Oh yeah, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing a summer break in July and August, I think. Okay. Maybe I go to a meetup or not, but <laughs> summer break on conferences at least. And I gotta ask Yannick because he's my he's, he's like my <laughs> Your he's, agent. yeah he's my booking agent. He knows exactly what conferences I'm going to. Okay. But there are a few that uh, just pops up in my mind. It's the Kandinsky in October. Mm-hmm. Have campus in, in in September? No, you didn't pull my. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Oh, okay. you remember? It? <laughs> no, <laughs> you told me last time. Okay, you didn't pull my. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I applied a few different ones. So there's a Caribbean DevCon. Sounds <laughs> great. Where do I apply? <laughs> yeah, on the Caribbean DevCon. Okay. It really is in a, a Dominican Republic. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So Marco and I are applying for this one, okay. which would be right after Kandinsky. Mm. And then right after that one is FavorConf in Berlin. Okay. Right. So these are the ones that I have in mind. And then Kostya asked me to speak at the past camp, which is in December. Mm-hmm. And I have a few other meetups that I'm attending at or speaking at. And I'm trying to find a lot of people to speak at my newly created uh, English-speaking developers community Hamburg. Okay. Right. Oh, how's that called? Oh, uh, we had our first meetup last week. Uh-huh. Uh, Isaac was presenting okay. on uh, the Safe Stack. It was okay. great. People yeah. loved it. We had a we had a no-show rate of forty percent, which is pretty cool for a meetup, right? <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And um, yeah, I hope to get you there. <laughs> the only any, requirements any, any are time. so whenever someone wants to speak at our meetup. You're welcome. We're doing it once a month, third week of the month. Uh, there are only two requirements. It has to do somehow with the tech and dev community. It doesn't have to be like very technical. It can, can be a soft skill too, but it has to be in English. I can do that. I know that you can, but we're in Germany <laughs> yes. and there are still people who aren't that well in English. I know. How's that call? How's the, the, the meetup call? Oh, it's called. <laughs> English-speaking developers community Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you have a website? On meetup.com. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. A smart move. Smart move. <laughs> Great. I'll link that edition as well. Yeah. Okay. I think, I, I hope that at a certain point you will have English developer and then, or English software developers, it's called, right? English software developers and then community Hamburg. And we'll have community Berlin, community Munich, whatever. This is what I would like to have mm-hmm. because the problem is, you know, we have our usual meetups and we always have, uh, every now and then we have an English speaker, but you can see that usually the ones who are asking questions, if the talk is in German, stop ask questions if the talk is in English because they're intimidated and too afraid to say something wrong in English. And this is why I created this new meetup just to get people more comfortable. That's a smart idea. I see you're scaling already. Oh yeah, I'm scaling so much. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, um, do you want to say something more? I think you can wrap up. Oh, I love you. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think 
whoever listens to their podcast and hasn't been at a conference like this, or even the smaller community conferences, right? I want to encourage them to go there. As an attendee first, as a speaker, whatever, go there. Because as Timothy said in the first place, it is a family. And meeting all these brilliant minds on each side is so refreshing and so good. And all the discussions we have are so much better than another stack flow uh, thread where people are just fighting over thing, religious things instead of just discussing and listening to each other. So go there and uh, have see it for yourself. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, see ya. Thank you very much. Thank you fun. for having me. <laughs> it was a pleasure. <laughs>